Friends, welcome to Sci-Fi Science Comedy Debate! You know it. Well done. That's a good cheer. Good, good omens for a hot evening. Thank you so much for all of you for coming. Uh, who's been to a sci-fi before? You didn't sound that excited. That's fine. Uh, who's, who's new to sci-fi? We need the fresh blood. Welcome. Um, for those who've uh, been dragged mercilessly by your partner or someone else to sci-fi tonight, uh, basically it's a place where we bring together the sharpest minds from science and comedy and make them debate critical issues in a silly way. It's kind of like a TED Talk question time and the Marx Brothers all stuffed into a trench coat together, which is how I describe it to my mother. She's, she's never come. Um, that's fine. My name is Alanta. Uh, I contain multitudes, nuts and seeds. And uh, I'm your host and adjudicator for this evening. Uh, it's my job to keep this whole thing on track, under budget and out of court. Uh, now, tonight, we ask, should we live forever? When something is good, more of it is better, right? Like coffee and sun and heroin. And surely this precious gift of life must be all the more valuable if we could live forever. Now, as scientists get scarily good at herding stem cells and hacking DNA, and death looks more and more negotiable. So why would we choose to go through the indignity of decrepitude if we didn't have to? Would it mean, would we have to cancel having children? They are very annoying. <laughs> and would you need to get a permit to extend your life every financial year? We're not sure. Luckily, to resolve these questions tonight, we have two teams, both alike in dignity, for a given value of dignity. On the affirmative, we have Belle Smith, Maria Reitman, and Tom Lang. And on the negative, it is the terminal, Chris Gingell, <laughs> Maddie Weeks, and Martin Dunlop. <laughs> All right, uh, before we kick off this debate, let's check in with our debaters and see how they're going. Uh, Belle, hello. You found it. Hi. Yes, I'm here. Hi. That's excellent. Speaking of finding things, um, you appeared in my newsfeed. Was this just this day? And everything was your name on an article about Standard snake <laughs> about snake clitorises. Mm. <laughs> Why are snake clitorises so hot right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do I really need to answer that? That's well, scientists <laughs> found them. Snakes have clitorises. Isn't that amazing? That is so hot right now. What a discovery. Two clitorises. Two clitorises per female snake. Two penises per male snake too, by the way. We were having a debate in, uh, in the green room. If you had a choice between a leg, to lose a leg and to gain a second clitoris, would you go there? And it was, it was split. I will... <laughs> Just like the snake clitoris. <laughs> so welcome to... So happy to have you here. Thanks, Atlanta. <laughs> Maria, hello. Hi. Welcome to Sci-Fi. Thanks. <laughs> uh, now, you're a neuroscientist, uh, from my understanding, is that correct? 
In the past? In the past. Okay. Scientists are the first to admit they're no longer a scientist of any description. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Ask me a neuroscience question and I'll walk away. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Well, I, I won't do that. We'll move on to Tom. <laughs> Welcome to Hello. Sci-Fi. It's so great to have you back. Nice to be back. Uh, I'm still time. thinking about snake clarisses, sorry. <laughs> um, now, you're a science communicator and an experienced developer at ScienceWorks. Is this, is this correct? I sound like I'm putting people on the, on the stands. Like, can you confirm? No comment. <laughs> uh, what is the hardest scientific concept? To Job interview. Um, <laughs> It's, shoot, because you've asked me a question I actually care about, so I don't even want to be <laughs> flippant. The, the concept of seasons uh -huh. is surprisingly hard to get across. You find yourself just orbiting rooms holding basketballs and stuff, being like, just imagine this is all happening over a long period of time. The three-year-old's looking at you with a passive expression, <laughs> like, when do we get to play with all of these balls? And you're there trying not to say the word balls too many times because uh -huh. you can get away with it once or twice. And you start having to say spears, uh -huh. orbs, and it just gets embarrassing. What happens if you say balls? Well, you say balls a lot, and then the word loses all meaning. Right. And then, and then a teacher starts snickering, and then... <laughs> You have to explain things. <laughs> Teachers are the most mature people. Uh, welcome. So glad to have you, Tom. We're going to move over to the other team. Uh, Chris, hello. Welcome to Sci-Fi. Thank you. Nice to be here. So good uh, to have you. Now, uh, you're a bioethicist. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Good. Yes. Uh, now, when bioethicists don't agree with each other, what's their process for, for resolving things? Uh, they just get further and further apart and, <laughs> you know, really become enemies for life, basically. Okay. Yeah, there's that no compromise. <laughs> is that why universities just expand to keep yeah, the exactly. bioethicists at different ends of exactly, the... Exactly, exactly. Okay, good. Well, you can try that tonight. We'll see how that goes. Um, Maddie, welcome to, to Sci-Fi in Melbourne. Hello! How you going? Woo! Oh, I'm so excited. Everyone's very smart. I, oh, I don't have any degrees yet. Um. There, there's still time. <laughs> um, We've done a couple of sci-fis together in, in Canberra. Mm. Um, hot tip for my sci-fi we did in Canberra. I got up and said, it's so great to be here in Melbourne. And I had, <laughs> had no idea why the audience was laughing. It, it wasn't yeah. a good start. You haven't been back since. So. I, <laughs> I cannot show my face in Canberra. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite thing about Melbourne since you moved here? Honestly, uh, well, I moved here March 2020. So for a while, nothing. Um, <laughs> For two years, nothing at all. Which is um, funny, for a comedian, like, timing is pretty important. Yeah, yeah, moved here to pursue my dream of comedy. <laughs> um, but now, I guess, I mean, the gigs are fun, uh, yeah. the trams. <laughs> it's pretty easy not to tap on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> any inspectors in? <laughs> They're too hot. They're fainter than the trams. Uh, welcome. So good to have you. Martin, hello. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for stepping in. Martin's had 12 hours notice to do this gig, so a round of applause for Martin. Don't clap, it's gonna suck, it's gonna suck shit! <laughs> Martin's self-esteem is, is very... Uh, well, I've got the words on the paper and I'm gonna read those towards the microphone. Okay. Um, and then at a certain point leave when I'm not having fun anymore, so... Uh... <laughs> it's just so crazy, it might work. Uh, wishing you luck tonight, Martin. Now. 
Uh, we all know that we have more fun when there are rules, so here are some rules I prepared earlier. Uh, tonight's debate might be about life and death in general, uh, but not in the specific. No wishing actual death on the other team, no matter how irritating they are. Uh, this is a reminder to both teams not to defame or use ad hominem against the other team. Don't know why I have to keep saying it, but we're three years in at this point and it seems necessary. <laughs> now, we... <laughs> We're here for a good time, not a long time. Each debater has eight minutes. If people go longer than eight minutes, I will start singing fame. I want to live forever. <laughs> and it will feel like forever. <laughs> I have stolen a joke already. Uh, <laughs> the low-hanging fruit does taste the sweetest. <laughs> Uh, come, at the end of the debate, uh, you, our trusty audience, will be called upon to decide who was the superior team on the evening by shouting, because as we all know, the loudest person in any room is always the most correct. <laughs> now, our first speaker tonight is Belle Smith. She's given me a poem to introduce her, so here we go. All about science, Belle Smith writes deeply and natters on ABC Radio Weekly. Her standards are highest, she's completely unbiased, except for tonight when it's been chucked out completely. Please make some noise for Belle Smith! Thanks for that wonderful introduction, Alanta, written by me. Um, yes, my name is Belinda Smith, and uh, it is my job as an ABC journalist or a peddler of fake news, whatever your views are, uh, to interrogate both sides of an issue. And I've come to the conclusion that yes, of course we should live forever, it's a no-brainer. The negative team, and who needs more negativ negativity in their life right now, am I right? They'll make their arguments, but my amazing, marvellous teammates over here will shoot them down quicker than you can say Chinese spy balloon. When Alanta told me what tonight's topic was, my mind immediately turned to my one true love, the eternal light in the darkness of lockdowns, television. Uh, in popular culture, in literature, all the most interesting and coolest characters are immortal. When 11-year-old me saw Interview with a Vampire with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, the original, I wanted to be a vampire, even like as a tall, gangly kid with a big head and like skinny little arms and legs with Coke bottle glasses, I knew what was up. And if anyone's found the fountain of youth, it's Tom Cruise. Like, Scientology must be really good for your skin. Um, all hail Xenu. But I digress. My second thought when I found out tonight's topic was, what's in it for me? And by extension, what's in it for you? And the answer to that is everything. Everything. Let's think about this for a second, okay? So the topic is, we should live forever. Not, we could live forever. Presumably, if we can live forever, if we've figured out some way to make these physical meat sacks last that long while we're living and breathing human beings, <laughs> something pretty much every biologist would think is impossible. We've also solved a few other impossibles along the way. So... Life at that point is going to be pretty rad. Think of all the cool stuff we can do. Climate change, solved, piece of piss. The places we could go, I don't know, between stars, 
you know, imagine like the ridiculous quality of life and the experiences we'll have sipping mojitos on the lakes of the meth on the, on the shores of the methane lakes of Proxima Centauri B. <laughs> That's ridiculous. There's no methane on Proxima Centauri B. <laughs> but you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? It's going to be a great eternity, and it's something we should do, if not for yourself, but for the people who made it happen. Those hard-working PhD students hunched over their lab bench, spending hours counting cells under a microscope, pipetting like a mother bitch, I don't know, packing tip boxes, whatever you do. And then after all that, punching out a thesis that their parents will be delighted to receive a copy of, but not actually read past the acknowledgements page. Won't somebody think of those poor souls working their way through the week, motivated solely by the promise of free wine at Friday seminar drinks? And what about the early and mid-career researchers stuck in an endless loop of grant applications and battling their universities, somehow extremely clunky, like administration system, which looked like and was probably designed in the era of geocities, maybe doing a little bit of lab work in between in the hope they'll get the next big paper and get us incrementally closer to living our best and eternal lives. Like, I could go on, and I have eight minutes, so I will. What about all the animals? What about the millions, maybe billions of mice that have given their lives? And <sighs> Look, you get the point. <laughs> of course we should live forever if the option is there. It would be rude not to. All right, think about living forever. And you might picture a population that just gets older and more decrepit each year till we're staggering around like, I don't know, the infected from The Last of Us or Rupert Murdoch. But living... <laughs> Forever as a fleshy, sinewy, bony being doesn't need to be like this. And we just have to look to the humble jellyfish for inspiration. So this is no joke. There is a species called Tarapsosis dorni, I think that's how it's pronounced, found in the ocean where it just kind of floats around aimlessly, feeding, existing. You know, don't pretend you can't empathise. That's like lockdown. That's 2020, 2021. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> too soon. Uh, but unlike us, when times get a bit tough, this jellyfish cycles from an adult back to a polyp, refreshing its cells and basically renewing itself each time. It can do this, in theory, as many times as it likes. It's called the immortal jellyfish. So imagine one day you feel your body mm, starting to fall apart. I'm pushing 40. The struggle is real. So the day you start feeling like things getting a bit shit, you can Benjamin button yourself back to a baby. Essentially, your existence is spent either getting fed and looked after and just sort of sleeping all day, or living your best life as an adult in your prime. What's not to like? And with this new forever life, you might be scared of getting bored. Not me. With people living forever, think of the mountains of creative content we'll get. Television, comedy, movies, streaming services will be chock full of good shit. You'll never complain about not having anything to watch on Netflix ever again. Along with all this time, we'll be accumulating gigantic amounts of knowledge. Now, according to something I read on LinkedIn this afternoon, the amount of human knowledge doubles every day or so. Although, I don't know, judging by some of my relatives' Facebook posts, it's uh, probably halving at the same rate in some places. But in any case, to give you an idea of this knowledge boom, here are some things that I didn't know this time last year. The first, you already know, snakes have clitorises. Turtles have clitorises. Britney Spears is an anagram of Presbyterians. 
crocodiles breathe like birds. Birds don't breathe like us. Some birds have clitorises. An ostrich clitoris is this big. So, even if you're not contributing to this literal literal onslaught, that's fine too, because if we live forever, concepts like procrastination, not living up to your potential, time-wasting, all the shit Mrs. Walscott wrote on my Year 7 report, <laughs> they're all really feel bad, because you still have all the time in the world to get shit done. If you sit Elon Musk in front of a keyboard for eternity, he's bound to tweet something worthwhile eventually. <laughs> and like time right now, it's our most precious resource, and it's something we're always running out of, more so me, because my eight minutes is getting close to finishing up. But you know what? How often have you thought, geez, I wish I had more time with my mum or my dog or that guy on the weekend? Here's another reason we should live forever. We'll have all the time in the world to spend with our loved ones, the ones we hold close, the ones we hold dear, or exact revenge on your enemies. <laughs> so that, that might do for me. But I'll leave you with wise words from noted turn-of-the-century British philosopher Noel Gallagher. <laughs> Maybe I just want to fly. Want to live. I don't want to die. Maybe I just want to breathe. Maybe I just don't believe. Maybe you're the same as me. We see things they'll never see. You and I are going to live forever. Smith. I love Bell's incredibly optimistic concept that uh, you know procrastination will no longer be an issue. I, I could procrastinate eternally, I think. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, look, before we go to our next speaker, I just wanted to share with you uh, some of the the news in science. Um, now, this is a science news that spans the ages. It turns out evolution just keeps making crabs. Have you heard about this? <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds like it's uh, contested. Evolutionary biologists have found that life forms to evolve to the defining features of crabbiness. It's a technical term. Um, it's done it at least five times in the past 250 million years. And this repeated evolution of crab-like bodies has happened so often that they've got a name for it. It's, it's carcinization. And no, no one knows what it is about the crab that just makes it the destination of all species. Like here we as humans were thinking that we were the true pinnacle of evolution with the opposable thumb and imagination and having invented corn syrup. Uh, but all the time the pinnacle was actually just a big set of pincers and shuffling sideways and whatever else it is that crabs actually do. Um, we thought we were better than crabs because of all the cities that we built and the water. And crabs considered themselves the superior species for exactly the same reasons. Uh, the convergent evolution is a nightmare for taxonomists with literally thousands of different species of what they call false crabs, <laughs> which include animals like the notopus, I didn't make that up, uh, and the frog crab, which is a fresh nightmare, and the hermit crab, which just wants to be left alone by all the other crabs. But, you know, what is the one true crab? 
and which of the crabs are just spies, and will there be one crab to rule them all? Many questions. Either way, it's clear that all of us are simply proto-crab on our way on the journey to crab. Before we get there, let's hear from the first speaker of the negative. Uh, Chris Gingell is a bioethicist. He's a philosopher and hammock enthusiast. <laughs> he thinks very hard about the ethical implications of new technologies like genome editing, moral enhancement, artificial wombs and other stuff. He works at University of Melbourne and the Murdoch Children's Research Institute and his son coined the term mammophant, which has now become a real word that people use. Please welcome Chris. Uh, thank you, everyone. It's really good to be here. Um, I like have thought a lot about this subject. It's a subject close to my heart. Um, my first real intellectual interest when I was an undergrad was, yeah, like why do we age the rate we do? You know, there are some species of mammals that live for two years. There are species of shark that live 600 years. There are immortal jellyfish. Like, why do we live? just about 80 years. And I thought, you know, I'm going to devote my life to this question. I want to understand why we age. I'm going to devote my life to science. Uh, but then I had to do lab work. <laughs> and I thought, fuck this. <laughs> I don't want to spend 20 years perpetuating shit into other shit. Um, and just honestly, testing your ideas, I don't have time. Who's got time for that, honestly? Um, so I found this. Um, flyer for a master course in um, applied ethics. And I thought, oh, rather than you know, devoting myself to studying why we age, I could just ask, should we alter human aging? And there's no lab work required for that test, for that question. So I drove into it. Um, when I first started thinking about these questions, you know, I, I think it could be kind of really cool to live forever, but the question that we're um, focusing on tonight is, we should all live together. What would it do to everyone if we lived forever? And um, I think it would be really bad. I think it would actually lead to a dystopian nightmare, and I'll explain how. Essentially, of generational turnover, so it slows the rate at which children are introduced into populations. Now, I agree, children can be annoying, but one reason that they definitely do is they bring novelty, they bring new things. So if you're not a human, the new generations, they bring new genetic variants, and they help you adapt to changing environments. But with humans, you get new brains growing up in new environments with new ideas, and I think this is an important thing. So if we think about the next, like, million years, if we all live forever, that's, that's one generation. Um, whereas if we all live for 100 years, that's 10,000 generations. So that is 10,000 times the amount of fresh brains, new ideas coming into things. And I think uh, this will be important for a lot of things. So the first way I think it will change our lives is if you think about science. So um, we like to think science is like, these, yeah, as I said, a noble pursuit, that scientists are really objective, that they're led by evidence, that they change their views. Uh, but those of us who work with scientists know this is bullshit. Uh, scientists are people like everyone else and they have the same biases, they have the same limitations. A really important bias that a lot of people have is something called confirmation bias. This is when you've got ideas, when you're invested in certain theories and things, um, it's really hard to change your mind. You tend to interpret evidence in a way that just confirms your beliefs that you've got around the world. Um, and this 
can stifle scientific progress. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, my quote is from Max Planck, who's a German physicist, so not as, uh, not as famous as Neil Gallagher. Uh, but he's a Nobel Prize winner, and he said, uh, had this quote, which was, new scientific ideas, they don't triumph by convincing their opponents or their opponents seeing the light. Rather, their opponents die. And a new generation of scientists comes up who is fresh, who is created with these ideas. And this is what will happen. If we all live forever, we'll get these really rigid old scientists with their own ideas and things won't change. We won't get this scientific breakthrough. When you think about all the young, great, when you think about all the great scientists who really changed things like Einstein and Newton, they're all young, they're all fresh, fresh brains, growing up in new, um, new environments. Also, I want you to think about music. So think about, you're a million years in the future, there's been one generation, or there's been 10,000 generations. Where do you think music's going to be better? Um, I want to think about Bob Dylan specifically. I really like Bob Dylan, but Bob Dylan has recorded 600 songs already. So he could live for a million years. We could get another 600,000 Bob Dylan songs. 600 is enough. <laughs> So think about music and having new musicians coming in. And you might think that, oh, well, some of the scientists, you know, they've mastered the snake clitorises, they're going to move into music. But I dare say that when they do that, that will be shit as well. <laughs> uh, there's another psychological thing that's called critical periods in development. So, you know, we know that musicians, you need to be sort of trained early before you're seven when your brain's sort of plastic and, you know, you can learn things quickly. It's the same about languages. You need to be young sometimes to really, you know, get yourself into an area and get good at it. We won't have that if we all live forever. Um, and the sort of final sort of uh, area I want you to think about is just think about society. Think about, like, the world and our values and how we live our lives. If you think everything's great at the moment, if you think we've mastered everything, we're really harmonious, then, yeah, maybe we should all live forever because things won't probably change that much if we all live forever. When you think about social changes, when you think about the way, you know, social progress, it's like science. It, people don't change their moral beliefs. People die and new people come up with newer, better beliefs. So um, another thing is also, we also know that people, as they get older, they tend to, evidence shows they vote more conservative, they kind of get more conservatives. So if you think your grandmother on Facebook who's 80 is conservative now, wait till she's like 20,000. How, cons <laughs> how conservative will people be? Society will be stagnant, it will be dull, and I don't want to live there. You should vote no. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Chris Gengel. <laughs> Hates his grandmother. That's what I <laughs> took away from that. <laughs> it's okay, she's dead. We do record this for training purposes. <laughs> uh, uh, just some more science news before we go to our next debater. Uh, now, we're all known for some time. Air pollution, not great for you, uh, but it's been quite hard to measure what air impact air pollution has on the brain until now and I quite love this piece of research scientists decided that the perfect guinea pig were chess players and they've had it too good for too long I thought um, and presumably when the ethics committee rejected the plan to just smoke bomb a chess tournament uh, they found another strategy they tracked 121 players 
at chess tournaments in Germany from 2017 to 2019, recording more than 30,000 chess moves. And artificial intelligence helped them judge each move, identified which were good decisions and which ones were errors, and they also air pollution. They made more mistakes and bigger mistakes, and they took longer to make decisions. Now, the practical application of this research is clear. Chess players as canaries in the coal mine. <laughs> we need to install chess players in all the major industrial sites. Put them on the roofs of schools, that's what I say. When you, your chess players blunder, or don't gambit the qu queen, I don't uh, play chess. Uh, <laughs> everyone just packs up and goes home. That's, that's what we do. Uh, be suspicious if your local council puts chess boards in the park. They are watching you. I'm just not sure we can trust this research though. Like what if people who can't handle the odd toxic mushroom cloud just naturally gravitate towards chess in the first place? Like I once again put forward the suggestion that we experiment fumigating football players. You know, then I might finally be interested in watching a game anyway. <laughs> next, one thing is certain, Kasparov's ultimate opponent isn't deep blue the next round of Australian bushfires. On that note, <laughs> Maria Reutemann <laughs> has shocked many mice, and you should focus on that now, um, in the name of neuroscience research before moving away from the lab and becoming a vegetarian. Maria remains a fan of brains and has patiently waited to put her year seven debating experience to use. How many of you did debating in year seven? You put your hands up, you... I can't see you, that is the secret. You can do whatever you like out there. Um, she also moonlights in musicals, so if you happen to stalk the streets of Bayswater in March, you might catch her singing and dancing about murder. I assume that's to do with the musicals, not just in general. Please welcome Maria! Atlanta. One of my favourite things about Year 7 debating was the rebuttal. So thank you for putting me in second. Chris. <laughs> let's, let's start. I did, I did start off today by saying I'm not a neuroscientist anymore, but, but we're at a science communication event. So let me start with some pseudo-neuroscience to let's try and debase some of those myths. Neuroplasticity. Right, slow generation turnover, less children, less innovation, children bring novelty, la la la. Look, the common argument Do you reckon if I sat you in a room for five years and all you did was play with balls uh, and learn a language, do you reckon you, you, know, you might be able to pick it up? Oh, what a thought. You know, what a thought, adults. You know, if they focus on one task, they might actually be good at it. <gasps> Phenomenal. <laughs> like, the other point. <laughs> we just need to, you know, turn over our generations because scientists get old, musicians get old. So, you know, we'll just let them die out, let the new ones come in. How dare you? <laughs> like... 
Do you reckon, let's sit the same human in a room for five years. Do you reckon after five years of doing the same fucking thing for five years every day, they're like, oh, you know what, I'm going to do this forever. No, of course not. Everyone gets bored. Everyone has passions that change. But you know what? Building on Belle's point, if I feel like I'm in the stage in my life right now, I can't afford to do a PhD, you know, there's financial implications, I might want to, you know, be more comfortable. If I had all of the time in the world, I'm not getting older, I would do a PhD. Maybe I'd do a bit of research for five years and maybe then I'll go on and make some music. So, you know, boo-hoo. <laughs> and you know what? I'm so glad that Bob Dylan died to make way for Justin Bieber. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, but not in your scenario. He wouldn't be because, I mean, you know, we should die. We don't need to live forever. We don't need to live at all because innovation. So let me tell you something about innovation. Innovation is spurred by people specialising, right? If everyone in the world only baked bread, we'd all get really fat. <laughs> but also, we kind of wouldn't be able to get on with, you know, life because there wouldn't be trams that don't have air conditioning and, you know, scientists or anything like that, you know, because we'd all be baking bread. But if we actually, you know, divide and conquer, everyone has their niche. Everyone gets really good at something and then, guess what, they can move on and get really good at the next thing. So actually, you, generational change is not the problem here. It's actually about people contributing to the innovation pipeline and you will still have a turnover of minds because people get bored of shit and then they move on to the next thing and then they get real conservative. I mean, what do we think drives that? We're not going to get into that debate. I only have eight minutes. <laughs> but one of the things that drives that is time. You know, as you get older, you don't have as much time and you feel like you've got to do what you can with the time you've got. Anyway, living forever is not a radical thought. Like, look at any religion that it's enshrined in. Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Judaism, Buddhism, the list goes on. Living forever is not a novel idea. And it's exciting. As a society, we'd get really good at a lot of things. And if we had an Einstein working all of the time, and, you know, maybe making music in his spare time, I don't know, like, it would be a pretty cool world to live in. We'd get to experience all of the cool stuff. We'd get to maybe go to the stars. I don't know. Mojitos could be had anywhere in the world. You could interact with extraterrestrial life forms. It's pretty exciting. Like all of the cool things none of you or us at this current rate are ever going to experience and that's a little bit sad. But it also will make us smarter as a species. Like the wars, right? We don't mention the wars but we do. Why do we keep having wars? Because a generation grows up they go through the atrocity of war, they teach it to their children, and then their children go, mm, it's not that bad, maybe we should do it. <laughs> so imagine if every single generation that then enters this 
society where we all live forever actually learn from their mistakes? How good would that be? You know what? We won't be losing that experience and our culture will shift to actually seeing the benefit in the good stuff, like vaccines, like welfare systems, like the environment. And I'm actually quite surprised that the negative team hasn't raised this yet because to me, if I think about why we shouldn't live forever, one of the main things is actually, you know, destroying the environment and the impact of humanity. But let me challenge that. <laughs> let me challenge that because, sure, overpopulation, mispopulation, children, again, children, what's the deal with that? Anyway. Innovative childbirth policies, and I'm not saying the C word here, but we all know it. And the technological solutions to living forever, you know, things can work out. Maybe we'll find a way to liberate ourselves of the flesh sacks, though living on forever mentally to really keep those innovation juices flowing. But the best part of it for me is that billionaires and rich corporations will finally have a stake in the game if they live forever, like, they're not going to be worried. They're going to actually care about what they're leaving for, not future generations, but future them. Appeal to the selfish for the benefit of the good of society. So imagine Rio Tinto caves, you know, that shit wouldn't have gone down because guess what? They might have realised in that time over time that there is value in Indigenous knowledges and culture to the benefit of humanity. You know what? Bezos might be developing beyond penis rockets. <laughs> Maybe the Queen will have if she'd lived forever. Might have stabilised and modernised many more monarchies. You know, maybe she would have even stepped down and maybe there would have been a democratic process. I don't know. I'm going to leave you and finish off with an iconic Queen phrase. There's no time for us. There is no place for us. What is this thing that builds our dreams, yet slips away from us? Who wants to live forever? Who wants to live forever? All of us fucking want to live forever! Thank you very much. With 96 years, the Queen just didn't have enough time. <laughs> that is a bold argument. I, and I am here for bold arguments, as so are you. Uh, you've all been delightful. Let's have an intermission. Um, can, can someone... How are we, Howler? Are you going all right? You good? Excellent. On average, that sounds all right. Welcome back to the second half. We are not going to waste a second. I'm going to introduce the second speaker for the negative. What happened? Oh, no. Okay. No, that's fine. Better, all the better to move faster. Maddie Weeks is a Melbourne-based performer with, who is equal parts comedian, producer and actor. On stage, they're a ball of energy described as a corgi on a caffeine high. <laughs> Off stage, they're a ball of debt. 
Despite this, Maddie's performances are filled with existential joy and enthusiasm. Make some noise for Maddie Wakes! Yes! Yes! Brunswick, how are you going? You good? Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. Okay, I want to just get a vibe of the crowd. Give me a yell if you want to live forever. Okay, give me a yell if you think that's a bad idea. Case closed. Um, no. <laughs> no, I am here to do my prepared arguments and also rebut. The rebut begins now. Um, I, I went to a very public school. We did not have a debating club. Um, so I'll try my best. Here we go. Um, you said that if, if, you know, if we all lived forever that rich people um, would turn around and do the right thing. Um... <laughs> You know what they do? They'd hoard wealth, go to Mars and have a fucking swingers club up there, you know? They wouldn't give a shit about us. They don't now. What would ever change? Um, another uh, point uh, of contention I had is that you said if, you know, we could live forever. Re remember back to 2020, we had a lot of time. <laughs> Hobby crying. <laughs> I could have written a novel. <laughs> we all could have done something. Did anyone achieve anything? No. <laughs> anyway, yes. I'll get back to my regularly scheduled uh, de debating. Um, I just know that you know, if I was immortal, apart from being you know depressed, <laughs> I just. I wouldn't get anything done. Like, I have ADHD. Anyone else got ADHD in the crowd? Ah, <laughs> oh, I get it. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> pretty fun time. Uh, and I know that I, personally, can't get anything done unless I have a strict deadline, yeah? Like, even this, I wrote this as a timestamp, 5.37pm today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and if I didn't have a deadline, like a literal deadline, like time, I'm going to die at some point, I'm not going to do shit. <laughs> I'd be lying on the floor of my house just saying, oh, I can do it tomorrow because there's so many tomorrows. I, yeah, I could procrastinate for eternity. And it's just like, what is going to happen to my life? My executive dysfunction is already so bad. Imagine if I never died. You couldn't get into my house. The, the pile of laundry would get so fucking big. <laughs> then no one would be able to get into my tiny apartment. And speaking of apartments, you guys, you know about this cost of living crisis? You guys want to keep going with this? <laughs> I can't afford a house now, okay? And if people live forever, I'll never get a house. Like, I'm only going to get one when my parents die. <laughs> point I might own. <laughs> you know, trickle-down wealth. Anyway, uh, but imagine never dying. All these landlords would never die. What are they going to do? They can just keep getting money and keep getting houses. Doesn't sound very good to me. Like, I can barely afford rent for the next month. Imagine that going on forever and ever and ever. Like, I just can't imagine why anyone would want to do that. Like, 
And then you're saying, like, oh, but the government, you know, the government might help us out. <laughs> you know, imagine this. If people could live forever, the government is not going to give a shit about the cost of living because you, you can just live. It's free, man. <laughs> like, they already don't care if poor people live. I was like, why? Like, if it happened now, if they suddenly invented this amazing drug that could prolong your life forever, like, I reckon that's going to cost a bunch of money, right? And I don't... Like, dental isn't on Medicare, you know? <laughs> Do you think they're going to add the live forever medicine to Medicare? No. <laughs> so it'll just be the rich and wealthy living forever. Can you imagine that? Rupert Murdoch never dying. Never. King Charles. <laughs> never dying in power forever? Then we would never get another public holiday, okay? <laughs> Rip to Lizzie, though. Rip to a real one. Um... <laughs> And talking about population density, it's going to get so crowded. You're talking about a hot and sweaty tram. That's only going to be get hotter and sweatier. You know, on the way here, I was on the 19, and let me tell you, we were packed like sardines in there. It was so sweaty. And in those moments, I'm honestly like, fuck, maybe we should have another lockdown, you know? <laughs> it was terribly traumatising. I'll never be the same, but you could always get a seat on the tram, right? <laughs> If no one died, you'd never have any personal space ever and you'd lose your mind, right? That didn't take much for me. <laughs> Let me tell you, if that shit went on for much longer, it's not going to be good. And then the other team also said that if, if we could live forever, TV and movies would be so, so good, right? But no, that's not the case. All good things must come to an end. Case in point, The Simpsons, right? <laughs> A show that is arguably unwatchable after season 11, and then now making season 35. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I tell you, the Simpsons all have iPhones now. Like, Homer got caught up in a Bitcoin scam. <laughs> like, I reckon I have Mr Burns buying Twitter. Like, I just cannot see something I love so much just turn to shit. And can you imagine, like, what would happen to us? Like, can you look back on yourself 10 years ago and say you're proud? <laughs> Nah, <laughs> I'm an idiot and I say dumb shit now. Can you imagine what I'm going to be saying when I'm 3,000 years old? We'd be so cringe if we lived forever, honestly. And there'd be nothing to stop us, nothing to help humanity develop and thrive. And without death, natural selection will grind to a halt. And we need that. <laughs> like, I've only been alive for 25 years and I, I've already, you know, learnt a lot but I've also started to realise that I'm getting worse as I get older. And I say the stupidest things, okay? So imagine if you got, you got wealthy enough to get the anti-ageing drug and you took it and then you friend and you wake up in the middle of the night and you think of the perfect response. But they died 500 years ago. <laughs> you can't do shit. And I don't want that. And to be serious, like, I do think about it a little bit, you know. Um, you know, I do. I, it would, sure, maybe I'm scared of the concept of death. But when someone dies, you know, they're not really gone. They live on in other people's memories. And I know that the children in my life are going to carry on the best parts of me. Unless I'm a really dickhead, you know, um, in the future. But we'll see. Um, and I'd rather that my memory lived on in their jokes and their stories and maybe a couple of Netflix specials, um, maybe. But I'd rather that than me 
moping around for thousands of years, starting up my 6,000th podcast <laughs> about why life actually begins at 300. Um, <laughs> rich people, the Australian TV landscape is already filled with the same fuckers. If they never die, <laughs> Carl Stefanovic will not leave until he dies. <laughs> we got to get him out of there. <laughs> Case closed. Thank you. <laughs> Matty Wicks. The idea of watching Dave Hughes for the next 6,000 years just completely <laughs> eclipsed my brain. Thank you for that, Maddie. On to the third speaker for the affirmative. Are you ready for the final arguments from Team We Should Live Forever? Yeah, you are. Tom Lang is a science communicator comedian, which is probably more noteworthy in literally any other room. Uh, often found terrifying children at science works or podcasting about Ozpol. He dabbles in board game design and climate anxiety. Please don't get him started on Monopoly. Tom Lang! Hello. So, all right, just a... Uh, thank you. Just, just a couple of quick rebuttals. Um, Maddie has really... I mean, I'm on the team that says we should live forever, but Maddie's argument did kind of make me want to die. <laughs> because she has quite accurately pointed out that everything is shit, and it will continue to be shit. Um, but I don't really know if that makes the case she thinks it makes. Like, okay, yeah, uh, living forever may cost money. Uh, so we shouldn't have it because rich people will get it. But then it's like, okay, you know what else costs money? Dental. Very good point. We shouldn't have dental. Get rid of dentistry. Because rich people are going to have food. Have you seen how expensive food has been getting? Get rid of it. Rich people are taking all the food. I mean, obviously the problem here is rich people. And so you'd be like, okay, so if rich people die, then... No, wait a minute. They just give everything to their fucking rich kids. Like, when my landlord dies, I don't get the house. His kids get the house. Now I'm renting off 15-year-olds. You see how that's worse? So, I mean, natural selection? Okay, that doesn't apply to people. I'm going to move straight along. The Simpsons got shit, yeah, it did. But it didn't get shit because Matt Groening kept doing it. Got shit when he left and some other guys started doing it. <laughs> That's the closest I'm going to come to an actual good point and fact. <laughs> it's all vibes from here on out. Um, here's the thing. The other team makes some very good points, but that's easy to do because they're arguing from a place of status quo, okay? They're saying things shouldn't change Better things aren't possible. Everything's basically as good as it's going to get. There's a word for that. It's called being a conservative. <laughs> That's a low blow. Um, and you can find arguments a lot like this in the page of, of Harold's sons throughout history. Like, no, we shouldn't master fire. What if we burn down the cave? Or, yeah, trains are fast, but you can't eat them when they break down. Kids nowadays with their living forever... 
They don't understand the value of eternal nothingness. <laughs> Look, and, and I know we're going to die, okay? It's, it's grim, but, it, but we have to come to terms with that. And the older and wiser you get, the more you come to terms with the fact that we're all going to die. And I think this opposing team is so old and wise that they've come to terms with this so much that they've started to think it's good. Um, they've got Stockholm Syndrome by their own mortality. <laughs> and it's tempting to convince ourselves that things that are, that are horrible and unavoidable uh, must have like a purpose, must be good in some way. Uh, we do this with death or suffering uh, or mygov.com. <laughs> It must be there for a reason. No, Bill Shorten. Sometimes things just suck. Like I intellectually know I'm going to I'm going to die. Okay, but but I'm not okay with that. And I also don't think, like, I'm a bit like Maddie. I don't feel like I'm carpeing the entire DM. I'm not. I'm already not living my life like someone who is going to die at any moment. Now, or now, now, no. I'm still here. I'm lucky if I can't pay the DM between 2 and 5 p.m. You guys are probably the same. You know you're going to die, but some part of you is like, but I'm going to live forever. The fact that we're not going to live forever, that's worrying. And we spend our lives trying to desperately find a way to make sure some small part of us goes on into the future. Maybe we have kids. Maybe we write books. Maybe we carve vast and trunkless legs of stone in a lone and level sands. <laughs> if... <laughs> I didn't design that one to get a laugh. I just designed that one so that some people in the audience will go... Um, if you're someone like Elon Musk, you're so desperate to make your mark on the world that you keep starting and then totally fucking up companies and children. <laughs> when people we love die, we don't say, ah, they were a, a beautiful, fragile flower, and then we move on. No, we carve their names into stone. And not sedimentary stone, fucking metamorphic. Fucking metamorphic. <laughs> and, and when poets are like, oh, you know, uh, a butterfly's beauty, it's ephemeral. Oh, a sunset, is, it only lasts for a minute and mm, cherish it. Okay, couldn't help but notice, Wordsworth, that you're only appreciating the sunset because you're alive after it finishes. Okay, and then you went and you wrote it in a poem and you put it in a book and you made that sunset live forever. Okay? A mayfly isn't out there for a day being like, this is cool. This is, there's something poetic in this. No, it's desperately fucking. <laughs> Can I swear this much? Yeah, it's probably fine. I mean, just look around us. I can't see you, but I'm sure you're all, I'm sure you're all beautiful people. We're having a nice night. We're out here. It's a great year, 2023. We've, we've, We've got memories, we're having moments, we've got hamburgers. <laughs> and, and, and the things we've done and the things we've seen. Attack arguments on fire off the shoulder of Atlanta. You know, we've seen sunbeams glittering in the darkness on a cold house beer. 
But all of these moments <laughs> will be lost. Like a Blade Runner reference on someone under 20. I taught myself how to make an origami unicorn. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? I could keep this forever. I could learn its secrets. How did he make that? Did he use glue? That's cheating. <laughs> but what's this? Is this the cold hand of time? <laughs> Coming closer? I don't want this to happen. I want this unicorn to live forever. But the opposing team says, no. Everything has to die. Well, that's on them. We should live forever. Thank you very much. Let him educate your children. And they learn stuff. <laughs> but what is the About message? Balls. <laughs> they take away. All right, Al, we're down to our last debater for the evening. Are you prepared? <laughs> prepared to stare into the vortex of the final arguments for your mortality? All right, we've got Martin Dunlop. He is a comedy writer in the way that an angry letter writer to the Herald Sun is a published author. He's been doing comedy in one form or another since 2009, including festival shows, stand-up, a really rough Channel 31 show. <laughs> Except the last three years he hid in a basement trying to wait out the end of the world, emerging once the liquor ran out and attempt, with the attempt at fermenting the furniture sent him blind for a week. Please make some noise for Martin Dunlop. <laughs> Hello, you lot. Every day is a curse. <laughs> Yesterday morning, I received a text message from Atlanta to say that Adam Knox had dropped out of sci-fi and asking if I could join to replace him for the debate, We Should Live Forever. When I received this message, I had just tripped over a loose paving stone at the top of Collins Street and was rolling downhill, rapidly gaining momentum. I passed exhibition, Russell and Swanston, trucks and trams missing me every step of the way down before coming to rest hard against a Dutch tourist in front of the block arcade. <laughs> Fine, I responded. I'll do it, but I bet be on the negative because I am fed up to the back teeth with this existence. I would uh, like to apologise and commend the opposing team. Uh, Belinda Smith, who faced the impossible task of arguing for eternal life while currently working in public broadcasting. <laughs> it must be very difficult coming up with reasons to carry on, crouched in front of a microphone in a wind-blown wooden shack, waiting for the landlord to burst in and collect what is owed in money or teeth. Maria Reutemann, the former neuroscientist and current musical theatre performer. A useful combination of skills there, musical theatre and neuroscience. She can open up her own brain to figure out why anybody likes musical theatre. <laughs> oh 
And finally, Tom Lang. Now, I have known Tom for many years, and the best way I can describe Tom Lang is he's not a doctor. <laughs> but if you ever accidentally called him a doctor, he wouldn't correct you. Uh, so, uh, moving on to Roboto. Now, Belinda, the first speaker, said that our arguments will be shot down like a Chinese spy balloon. Now, let me speak for a moment on that beautiful creature inflated and floating against our capitalist oppressors. Maybe instead of throwing around cheap shots, we all stand for a minute's silence in memory of that valiant dirigible. Uh, she said we would be immortal like the endless jellyfish, a poor comparison, untroubled as they are by recognizable genitalia or kneecaps. <laughs> Eternal life is clearly a greater burden on us with all our bits that we can play with. <laughs> and said that immortality was good because we could spend eternity with our loved ones. Now, how, how loved do you think those ones would be after about a century? We can barely get through a holiday in Queenscliff. <laughs> the second speaker, Maria, uh, suggested that uh, given eternal life, instead of teaching children new skills, uh, we lock adults in a room to learn those same skills. And I agree, Maria, this sounds sexually exciting. <laughs> but not practical on a large scale. Uh, claimed that innovation would still occur in immortal life because people get bored. Home and Away is currently on series 4000. Frankly, humanity loves a rut. <laughs> and also said that immortality would do away with war. If we were immortal, we wouldn't do away with war. We'd do it regularly for fun. Uh, Maria again said the corporations will care about society more if, uh, if everybody's immortal. Knowing corporations, a gun held to their firstborn's head wouldn't make them care. And within about 10 years, we're probably about to prove that for real. Um, Tom uh, made the bold statement that arguing against uh, immortality is, cons uh, uh, is conservative. Arguing against immortality isn't conservative. Is it conservative to not want Dracula? Uh, I also zoned out around the point that he was pointing out the plot holes in poetry and then descended into prop comedy. <laughs> As I was saying, the opposing team faced a much more difficult task tonight. They had to argue in favor of immortality, continued activity, eternal tasks. Nobody wants this. Well, our, our team didn't have to argue against the silly childish idea of immortality. We simply had to sell you a product that everybody needs, death and oblivion. <laughs> it gives our lives, death gives our lives shape, value, and consequence. As my grandmother told me when she took me aside at my 11th birthday, sometimes the horse craves the whip. <laughs> Without these consequences, such as death, what else would we do but sink into ceaseless fettered depravity of such noise and color that God himself would come down from his throne to tell us to stop? Remember what you would do at 15 years old any time you had a spare five minutes alone? Now imagine that time stretching out on an eternity. 
and the corresponding oceans of cum with it. I mean, the smell after a week alone will be... Death gives our lives shape, it gives our relationships shape as well. What satisfying love affair ends with both parties still living? Imagine Romeo and Juliet if they ran into each other at the supermarket six months later and had to pretend to care that the other had gone back to TAFE to study hospital administration. It's not the same. Freedom from death would not allow us to discover our true potential. I've been alive for 36 years and I've already come up against the ceiling of my true potential so many times I'm developing a dent. And if you do crave a legacy, why not achieve it the old-fashioned way? By breeding. <laughs> For while I may not have achieved much in my life besides occasionally appearing in comedy debates in empty nightclubs, if I've raised my daughter correctly, and I like to think I have, then my family name is going to be written across the fa face of the planet in blood. <laughs> Which is good, because currently the family name is written across tennis balls. Uh, on the subject of my daughter, I am aware this is being recorded, so if you would all bear with me a moment. Uh, hey, Ivy. Um, Daddy's saying a lot of silly things, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a debate. It's where you say you, things you don't believe in so you can build an argument. Um, you'll do it in high school. Uh, if you can argue for anything without worrying about the ideas you're advocating for, you'll have a career in politics. Anyway, I, I don't think you need to worry about immortality. It's probably not possible or something anybody wants. Um, but I, I do want to say li life is worth living. It's, it's often pretty awesome. And when it's not, you can, you can work to fix it. So try to live as long and happily as you can. Okay, Ivy? Try, try. And most importantly, um, don't turn off any machines that are currently helping Daddy to breathe. Uh, because of any of the stuff he just said. That's, that's it, okay. You want milk? I don't have any milk, this is a recording. Go, go ask mummy, go ask mummy. Go ask mummy for some milk. The cat did a poo, a big stinky poo. It's a stinky cat, isn't it? Go tell mummy, go tell, bye-bye, 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 Ivy. Back to the thing. Every day is a curse! <laughs> This opposition are grinning malevolent carnies, forcing us onto their wicked carousel of endless suffering as a demented calliope plays. Malicious camp counsellors forcing us from our beds for another interminable day of mandated fun. Let us sleep, motherfucker. Let us die. some deep insights into what he's been doing for the last three years. So, uh, look, in a second I'm going to throw it to all of you to decide which among the many and <laughs> varied arguments, if you can call them that, uh, were more convincing this evening. But uh, before, we, before we end with that, uh, I am going to throw to each team, just in case uh, these fine scientists and comedians are performing anywhere in the near future if they haven't been banned. Um, uh, anything, anyone wants to spruik? Uh, Belle, do you have any more snake clitoris material people should be across? Well, well, I do, actually. <laughs> I'm on a podcast in a couple of weeks called What the Duck. It's all about snake clitorises. So if you've been 
I don't know, tantalised by this tonight, get on it. Otherwise, I'm just on the radio, right? <laughs> Excellent. Maria, where can we find you? Bayswater, much to Martin Dismay, <laughs> in a musical. <laughs> it's about murder, though. <laughs> um, I'm not doing anything at the moment, but if anyone does one of those podcasts where you play D&D with comedians, I've always kind of wanted to be on one. So, hit me up. <laughs> Looking for work. All right. Team Negative, anything you want to you wanna pitch out there? Hello, yes, I have uh, two shows I need to sell for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Please, God, buy a ticket! Uh, the, fir the first one is called Good Hang, okay? And it's at 5.15, which isn't a great time for comedy. Um, so, not my fault. Um, the second is an all-queer comedy showcase called Quilly Beloved. Please come, please come. Thank you. <laughs> Martin. I'm sweating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do with that what you will. Okay. Uh, a lot's happened this evening, so I'll just run through some of the key arguments just to refresh your fucking memories. Uh, look, Bell, Bell kicked off uh, to start with uh, deciding the two sort of immortal role models to go with were vampires and jellyfish, which I thought was interesting, uh, arguing that uh, if we live forever, we'll fix all the problems, knowing that jellyfish have done so much to fucking date. <laughs> she then went into several clitoris space arguments uh, about longevity, and I, I was very much on board for those. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, talked about the, uh, the flaws of scientists as people, which is a horrifying revelation. Um, and a very big point was that the newer the music, the better. Um, because we know Rebecca Black's Fridays, Fridays, I can't wait to Friday, really is the times are a changing of our generation. <laughs> It was 10 years ago. I have not listened to a song since. So. <laughs> uh, Maria then brought to our attention that children are shit, that your precious snowflakes are not that special. Um, and then we had an argument across the teams as to whether or not Bob Dylan is alive. <laughs> It was a real Schrodinger's Bob Dylan moment. <laughs> and if he is alive, can he be truly said to really be alive? If you've heard his Christmas album. <sighs> um, she, uh, she then went on to do a pre-buttle about the environment, which I love the demonstration of anxieties when we get into pre-buttles here at Sci-Fi. And then the argument that corporations um, just haven't had enough time to be good people. <laughs> Rio Tinto is 150 years old. <laughs> Maddie uh, introduced to us uh, the cost of living forever crisis, uh, but did mention that pandemics are good for spacious public transport. <laughs> Tom uh, got up and repeated again and again that we are going to die, but it's okay because none of you are going to fulfill your potential which was really the escapism all of you were hoping for coming to a science comedy debate tonight. Uh, ending with <laughs> the conclusion that, uh, I think it was, be like the mayfly and desperately fuck. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
No one knows what Martin was doing, so. <laughs> if you thought team longevity were tonight's superior debaters, make some noise. If you thought Team Terminal, <laughs> oh no. Did I just hear the affirmative cheering for the negative? Is that why? It's an echo. <laughs> Look, I have, I have hearing loss from the previous 30 sci fi, so I'm gonna need you to do that again. If you thought the affirmative for the better team tonight, make some noise! I award tonight's debate to the negative. We are doomed. Death, 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 death. You have been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for coming out to Sci-Fi tonight. Can I have a round of applause for The Howler, the best venue in Melbourne? I say thank you to Rob on sound. Um, we are recording this nonsense. You can find us on Spotify if you'd like to come to future ones. There's a wee newsletter that I only spam occasionally at scifight.com.au. We will be back in April. Thank you so much for coming out. Have a wonderful evening! Yeah.